would like to welcome Lima Warami. Can everyone give Lima Warami? Warami. Um, Lima, the, the president of the Radio Skid Row board, we'd like to welcome you. And uh, Annie Nicola, we're going to get started here, and I just want to welcome everybody again. In our language, we say, Warami Wan Gari, welcome everybody. Um, no, no, no. Oh, we're going to amplify. So, as, as we do in, in Aboriginal culture, and as we should do out of just basic etiquettes, right, we should introduce ourselves so that people know a little bit about who we are, what we're doing in this space, what we've done in this space, and then open up to a yarn so that we can all talk about the future of Radio Skid Row and community radio station. Um, so, first of all, my name is Binui Bales. I'm the second youngest daughter of Tiger Bales. Um, on that video, we did see my, my grandmother, Maureen Watson, my father's brothers, many aunties and uncles, um, and I'm sure you know many more as well that were in that. Um, I'll go from sort of left to right as we go around to our panel members. Anibab, would you like to introduce yourself with the microphone so that the mics pick up the voices? Okay. My name's Barbara McGrady. I'm a Gomorrah Marina from Northwest New South Wales and Southern Queensland. But in saying that, I don't recognise Whitefella borders, so <laughs> that's my country. Um, I'm a photojournalist, uh, big lens sports photographer. Uh, I've worked in media and print media for a long time. So uh, it, this is a great thing to talk about with the community radio, such as Skid Row and Radio Redfern. And I'm glad I was alive at that time, uh, in 1988, when it all happened, uh, when there was blackfellas from all around the country. Um, it was great, but it made me a little bit sad to see the people that aren't here anymore, trailblazers and, yeah, radical people. <laughs> so uh, it was good to see, but um, yeah. And, and I just want to say, Annie Bob, thank you for all of your contributions in the, in the First Nations media space, but media more broadly, photography more broadly. Can we give a round of applause for Annie Bob? She's a, an award-winning, an award-winning photographer. Thank you, Annie. You're too deadly. Still going strong at the Koori Knockout, I tell you there, she was there with that big lens. Too deadly, still, still you know, driving and, and travelling to Gosford and community events and being a part of it as she has done for many years, so thank you. My deadly sister, I'm not going to even try and introduce you, so. Well, in language we say Waramoli, Anigan Yantan, Amuampam Yaraki Yubanango, Duncan Banjalang Wanarua, Bintankan Berigaba Gangalu, Nkaikal Gadigal Yoranura. So, Dad's Birigaba Gungaloo, Dawson River Murray from Central and North Queensland, Mum's Wanaroa Bunjalung, but also strong ties and connections. I think we go back eight generations to Redfern. So, I'm a Redfern girl through and through, born and raised. Even though I currently live in Mianjin or Mugganjin, aka Brisbane, I'm getting the call home, more so now that I've watched that. So, I think I'm going to be moving back to, back to Gadigal country, back to the block. Um, we're just down for a holiday. But I just wanted to... Um, yeah, take this opportunity to acknowledge our elders here today, those especially that have gone before us. And Annie Barb was the first one to cry sitting back here, and then we all started getting emotional. Then Annie Nicola didn't stop crying the whole way through. But it's tears of 
no, they're, they're powerful tears. They're not tears of like sadness in a way that, you know, a lot of our mob aren't here. So I'd um, really like to pay tribute to those that have paved the way because coming up, growing up in the media industry and now having my ki our kids here, the next generation and my grandchildren. Um, but I just wanted to send prayers. Media's already hit the news about Brother Nathan Merritt. Um, so just keep him in prayer and just, yeah, just um, sending our love and best wishes to families in sorry business, including those in the, the doco there. It was really, really powerful. So, yeah, that's me. Your way. Your way. Um, brother, Luke, you've done some incredible work um, with Indigenous X and, and much more. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, brother, and, and the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone. Uh, Luke Pearson, Gomorrah Fuller. Um, lived off country all my life, so sort of generally like East Coast fellas, spent, uh, born down this way, uh, but raised down Radjuri country, Wagga Wagga Way, up Newcastle, Wavagul country, Dark and Jung country, and I've sort of been yo-yoing between Newcastle, Sydney the last 20-something years, um, back up uh, Newcastle at the moment. Um, but founder and, and CEO of Indigenous X uh, via primary teaching. Um, so I, I sort of stumbled in, into media... Um, yeah, you, you, you do a teaching degree to be a teacher. I, I stayed there three years, sort of got, got chased out, uh, but had, had nowhere to go. Uh, yeah, went, went to Twitter before it was a thing, like it was just something, like I was just having a look. Um, but, you know, met, met so many amazing mob there and, you know, had, started to have some sort of impact in, in different ways, like funny, weird ways. Like, you know, like we weren't, we weren't marching down the street, we were just talking and not realising who was listening and then things would start happening. And um, so yeah, I was really um, lucky to, to be able to have some impact and, and get involved in some advocacy and some activism online as we were all working out what that even looked like, you know. And then um, I, I, I built a bit of a profile for myself because I, I talk a lot and, and I tweeted a lot and I, I was there a lot um, and, and I, I wasn't looking to be that fella, you know, taking up more, more oxygen than, than I needed. Um, so I, I had the idea of Indigenous X. It was basically... Um, and, and just to sort of set the scene for those who weren't... Like, you know, Australian mainstream media... This is only 12 years ago. This isn't a long time ago. But if you read an opinion piece back then, it, it was by Noel and it was in The Australian and that was it. You know, like, you'd occasionally see opinion in, like, um, Curry Mail or, like, in, in Blackfella media, but there was... Mainstream media did not run Aboriginal opinion back then. And that's, and that's no. a really good point because we want to get further into that. That goes into one of our questions, brother. So I want you to elaborate on that just a bit further in a moment. Yeah. But if it's OK, we're going to yeah, head over course. to Animara. Yeah, yeah. We'll do intros first. Yeah, yeah. And I really, really want to delve into that information mm. that you're talking about because that is where we're at today and what yeah. the opportunities are that we need to explore and embrace so that we can continue to make change mm. but also to unite people and amplify those voices on the ground. So, um, and challenging. The, the yeah. status quo is the most mm. important thing, right? So, too deadly. Um, Auntie Mari, would you like to share a little bit about yourself and who your mob is, where you come from? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was... Did we get that use a microphone? Hear me. It's on. It's on. So... Is it on? Yeah, but it's not, it's not amplifying, they're just recording. All right. I, oh. All right. Okay. Yeah, um... Yeah, Mari Bennett, Barkindji, Lake Mungo, born Tiwi, Stolen Generation, and at East Arnhem Land, Northern Territory. A few years ago, 
the back in the 90s, 78, I think it might have been 79, in the Northern Territory, we were told by our NAC rep that they were going to have a secret meeting on Aboriginal communications in the Northern Territory. And as you know, the Northern Territory is pretty much our only hope for saving this country and to unite this country because... In 1976, Australia was asked to vote on the 76 Land Rights Act, Northern Territory. We acted on from Northern Territory, da, um, Tiwi, and what happened was we ended up going to this meeting, we gate-crashed this secret meeting, myself and my husband, ex-husband now, but my friend, <clears throat> and they were discussing Aboriginal communications and what they were going to do with it. So we sat in on this meeting and um, for the first time they were talking about the voice, Aboriginal communications, to be able to hear Aboriginal stories, to hear the truth. So we went... I was working with community development and I put some recommendations up to them in the Northern Territory at that time, um, 1982. And I, I and my friend Purnell Butterjee that went to school with none other than King's Charles at Timpertop were fired on that day because my recommendations to the... Department of Community Development, Northern Territory, was that we needed our children in the remote areas and our schools in Australia, more so in the, in the remote areas. So on the weekends, what I wanted them to do, the de development corporate, the, them, what I wanted them to do was to set up units in the communities in the remote areas of the Northern Territory. The units were a monitor, a VHS player, a home video camera, and some stock to continue documenting your weekends in the remote areas of the Northern Territory. I acted under the 76 Land Rights Act, Northern Territory, which has a veto. I pressured, and I still will, and I will not change, that the 76 Land Rights Act in the Northern Territory gives you that voice. We had to fight for that from the North, from, in 1985, we got the 76 Land Rights Act, which was voted yes by the community of Australia, all peoples. So we won that and we worked the 76 Land Rights Act. Then came the Labor Party in 1985. I want to get everybody just right with me. I don't believe or belong to the Liberal Party or the Labor Party. My business is Aboriginal law for the survival of our race. Mm. So my recommendations were that all, all schools in the remote areas be housed with a unit, which was a monitor, 
a home video camera stock and anyway that's that and I was the first pardon me I'm not saying <laughs> blowing my trumpet or anything but I was the first Aboriginal person in this country and I beat the 200 years Annie Murray, can because I, just, I just, yeah, can I just say this yeah. I registered under the Small Business Act of Australia in 1982 on the 30th of November under the 76 Land Rights Act Northern Territory. It was, a, it was just one of those things, the children needed those units in those communities, we needed to be heard, and the only way to be heard was to get them in there, train them in communications. Mm. Johnny McCumber, we worked with him. We done his paperwork for Karma. Deadly, deadly. Right. Honey, you've raised some really important points there. Um, first, around historical, um, you know, policies and, and movements that, you know, we've had to challenge in order to get to where we are today. Yeah. Not only politically, but also as a society. I just want to tell you this about the 76 Land Rights Act before we go any further. In 1985, we were challenged again by the Labor Party under Clive Holding that came along and he didn't, he didn't like me because I'd registered under the Small Business Act of Australia and he didn't like me because I didn't submit to the Department of Aboriginal Affairs. Um, I have my own bosses, blackfellas, yeah. So um, we went through all that and for us to hold on to the 76 land rights that Clyde Holding, Labor, Northern Territory, gave us two weeks. It was 1985, it was going on to the 10 years for 76, the 86. Sent a videotape to the three councils of the Northern Territory and said, hello, I'm your friend. And what I want to do is to change the 76 Land Rights Act. He gave us two weeks oh, to wow. answer caucus. Yeah. Do you know what us NT people done? Blackfellas and our loyal supporters. Mm. We gave up our wet season supplies to hold on to the 76 Land Rights Act. So we could charter my camera crew. I couldn't go on that trip because I had a nine month old baby, Savannah. So I had to stay home and man, or woman, the office with my jumbles and people that came in to look after me. So my camera crew, my ex-husband at the time, Matt Peacock, and my brother Richard Bennett Crunchy, mm. we had to find a cameraman. They flew up from Alice Springs to ask us if we would do the job, and we were on day 13. Wow that day, so we were just a little bush camera crew. Yes. So we got it together, the chairman came up from the CLC with his board, flew up from Alice to see me to ask me if I'd do the job. Too deadly. And I said yes. Yes. And, and that's why you still have the 76 Land Rights Act. Yes. And it's not to be surrendered. Of course Because we paid out every community in the Northern Territory all of us mm. gave our wet, wet season, season supplies, supplies up. Yes. And, and you know what? We stopped caucus, they gave us... No, you've got to hear the whole story. <laughs> the, the, we had to stop caucus, right? We were in Darwin. We were bullied by the Northern Land Council, the Labor, Par Labor Party cronies, Warren Snowden and them, and uh, Helen Esther, 
You ready? Mm. All right. So they came over. We, we, I accepted. I shook the chairman's hand and I said, consider the job done. Paddy Dodson was standing next to him. And he says to me, Bennett, can you do that? Can you really pull this job off? So we're on 13, day 13. 14th day, they flew them back down to Alice Springs with his board. My brother on the Tiwi Land Council chairman, Galera Unipingu, Northern Land Council. They all agreed that they hire a little bush camera crew to save the 76 Land Rights Act. And we did. They played games with us. They told us that the caucus meeting was going to be held at 11 o'clock Monday morning in Canberra. We're in Darwin, no money. We had to hire two Cherokee twin engines and two pilots. That's what we done to save the 76 Land Rights Act and no money. But our supporters pulled us through and those communities, the 27 traditional owners of the territory, they need to be applauded because they and we all gave up our wet season supplies. And that means Toyotas, that means health, that means everything. And Annie, that's a really deadly, really, really deadly and important And message. that's where it started. Now, Clyde Holding, when he came along, sent this videotape to the traditional owners mm. saying, hello, I'm your friend and we're going to change the 76 Land Act in two weeks. Yeah. Caucus will be meeting and we'll be expecting your answer. No money, no nothing, blackfella. That's it. Ani, I really want to just pause here, please, because that's a really important message for all of us, is that when we make sacrifices or when things aren't going our way, we come together well, well, and we fight for the change that we want and that we need. First so, Aboriginal person to start registered under the Small Business yes. Act of Australia. Can I say something? Sure. You know? One no, second. No credit, no nothing, but no, I done it. When Mari talks about... And that's what um, we're all sitting here today. Mari, when you talk about um, John McComber and, and that, I just want to make that connection for you two especially, that your grandmother, Aunty Maureen, was in Alice Springs for that meeting and that she came back to start Radio Redfern from that. And so too did the Thiday boys come to Alice to the meetings around me, the first meetings around media. No, so the Arnie, first meeting... I know the secret one that you went to. No, it was the, the first that. meeting we held in Alice Springs to form Aboriginal yep. Communications. Exactly. There was Lester Bostock, Jerry Bostock. There was me, I think Preda Glenn was there. Oh, Thailand, um, Thaiday. Uh, Mr and Mrs Thaiday, yeah. Billy and, and Weena Thaiday, because yeah. we brought them in. Yeah. Um, and this is under the 76 Land Rights yeah. Act. And thank you and so much for that. And what we are not going to surrender mm. is the 76 Land Rights Act, mm. and it has to be implemented on a national scale. Definitely. So each traditional owner has veto and can talk... I don't know if you want to do a deal with them or not, but um, <laughs> they've got to come our way. This is our country, this is our law, and this country has a society... When the invasion happened, we come from the oldest culture on the planet and in the zodiac, if you like. Mm. But there is no surrender because I had a death in custody son, no charges, he was arrested by a cop that wasn't a cop. And this is how they operate, right? 
I had to bury an innocent son and grow up. His four children, Nicola, you might be wondering where I was, but the baby, he was seven months old when I got him. He's 23 today. So I've been very busy with three boys and one money. girl. Give her a round of applause. I mean, to and know that I this is where Radio, Radio Redfern has started. Unpaid, but you know what I want back? Mm. I want respect. All right, Annie. Annie. And unity and tell the truth. Deadly. And each radio person here, if you've got conflict or you're not, you don't like this one and that one, a lot of people don't like me, but I don't like them too. <laughs> See? Um, because they're not going to stop me from what I have to do for my race mm. and my culture. Deadly, Annie. Thank you so much. Um, and I, I, and Uncle, I'm, I'm just very conscious of time here because we really want to ask some questions of the panel, but also give you a chance to ask some questions to our deadly members here. So, Uncle Graham, if you, we can introduce a little bit about you, yourself and your mob, where you come from, that'll be deadly. Uh, I, I grew up in Redfern in the 1970s. And um, I'm from the Nyampa and Rattree people. Um, a lot of my family like to Jalagaya, Marin Bridge. Um, but I, yeah, I grew up in Redfern. And as you saw in the film, that was the 1988 broadcast of Invasion Day, which was a lot of organisation. So the reason why you didn't see me in that film, because I was doing programming and I really wanted to broadcast. Actually, we did nighttime broadcasting we a lot. And that, and that was, I wish there was a film just on that because <laughs> that was really exciting and, and that, and we had discussions. But um, yeah, in programming, well, you saw them, they were the stars, um, everyone that you saw in there. That's the daytime shift and the, the, our best presenters on there, and that's what we want to lead forward with. And um, I've got to say, your, your nan, um, Maureen Watson, um, she, um, so we had this vision, because um, we knew how important 1988, the march was going to be then. And so we thought, well, yeah, we could do, because every year up to then, we did a Invasion Day broadcast. So I think the year before, in 1987, we did, or 86, we did the South Pacific Festival, for example. And um, we set up big PA system over the beach and it was 45 degrees and 100,000 people turned up and they heard Radio Redfern and they heard our views and that's our views and that's the voice in the Aboriginal community, what you hear there, that's our voice. and. Um, and they had that over the beach. And, and we got a lot of complaints, I think, and which we had to deal with, Radio Skid Row, um, uh, what our views, like, for example, we're against, um, um, like, all this stuff around uh, uranium mining and, and nuclear, how the nuclear industry was going to come here and do all these things. And, and, that, and we were against that. Well, we got 120 complaints about that. And um, in, in 1986, yeah. So and that was all over Bondi Beach. So um, so then anyway, we thought, well, um, myself and Maureen, when we sat down together, talked about this, and with many others at Radio Redfern, and um, but particularly myself and Maureen, we thought, well, this is a very important occasion. 
And, and so we put a proposal, which was quite, I think was quite radical in the day, was, okay, well, we really want to have this run 24-7, this radio station. And in the day, there, was, there wasn't that much fight. We, we had 30 hours a week then on Radio Skid Row, which we were funded for per hour. Sorry about banging on a bit, but I've got to say this because this is very important. Um, so, but anyway, and there was criticism, oh, we can't run a 24-7 radio station in our community. Um, we, we didn't think, we actually thought opposite. Of course we could. And we had to negotiate with the multicultural communities, which is what our thinking was, and that we were concerned about the message in, multi, in the multicultural communities, um, uh, um, about um, the message about 1988. So we thought, well, we're going to go on to their shifts. And I know that um, Annie Maureen did go on to every one of the multicultural program shifts, and they was translated into every actual, every um, language that you can imagine that's in our community. So that was translated into these languages from um, a whole diversity of languages and communities we have in our community. And um, yeah, so and so that was a big. So that's how the program. Get, Ring was done, mm. and um, and to make sure that that message gets out. So that that's where I come from, anyway. Yeah. Too deadly, and just hearing you talk, Uncle, just brings back so many memories for me. And I just want to ask, you know, Yariko and Nani Bab, um, do you have any memories about did, did, did watching this documentary bring back some memories for you? I mean, hearing Uncle Max Silver singing those songs, it it brought me back to you know sitting around our our kitchen table and them all having a you know cup of tea, and the the guitar comes out and they start singing this, just like Bless His Soul, Uncle Archie wrote, and Annie Ruby Hunter, and all these Rumpy band, Jyoti Yindi, you name them, they would come to our home. Um, uh, us mob, um, uh, uh, all of them. And, and, and this is us, in our, you know, growing up was coming out of our rooms to, you know, these stars singing songs and um, just seeing their, their, their faces um, after so many years of them passed away. We looked at each other and we cried and we shared a few tears. Um, do you want to share some memories about... Um, radio, uh, radio Red Fans at Radio Skid Row. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's 88 9, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that time was really. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I have the word <laughs> to describe it, but it was really inclusive. It was great. It was radical. It was awesome. <laughs> there were so many um, great people around with great ideas, um, a lot of mob. Uh, great singers, uh, dancers, uh, people with some really, really radical, great ideas that um, were really innovative, but we didn't sort of know how to put them into practice. But it was all, you know, a learning thing. And um, the people in that film that are not here... Um, it just made me sad, but I felt good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you, if that was the old Murray Jama building as well. They had the Murray Jama, the Black Theatre. Yeah. was also there in Cope Street. So, um, anybody who knows the Cherry Building in Cope Street now, 
it's kind of next door. The Wayenga Aboriginal Organisation. Um, I think Koori Radio, Koori Radio is in there as well. So it is there in its sort of legacy and its home. Uh, spiritual home is what I'm trying to get at. Um, sis, any, any reflections and memories for you? Even just looking at that building brings back memories Definitely. for me. Like I was seven, so I was born in 81. I remember that clearly. I remember the police brutality and there's photos and footage of, you know, our grandmothers, Granny Mook, Granny Lilla, mum, dad getting dragged away and we're just in, you know, with, in the prams and... But watching all of the, that footage made me homesick. But I've carried that, and that stays with me in my heart because it's just bringing back all of these memories on how deadly it was, on how good it was to be raised on the block, you know, as a Redfern girl in the 80s with all of these amazing people that we just thought were our aunties and uncles. And now it's like, oh, that's Yoti Indi and Rumpy Band and No Fixed Address and Black Lace and Cuckles and Uncle Archie and Auntie Ruby. They were just our aunties and uncles, and they're like, you know, award-winning legends and um, pioneers and trailblazers. And I look back on that and I think, not many people had, you know, grew up that way. Like, and right here in the heart of Gadigal country, and we were growing up right amongst that with our parents and grandparents that paved the way, and many of you here today that have, you know, still picking up where, you know, the next generation left off. And yeah, it makes me so homesick. That's why I'm moving back. <laughs> I miss Redfern, I miss this vibe, I miss the community, I miss everything that you just can't find anywhere else. Yeah. It really brought back the memory for me, is, you know, when they were pulling out that CD on. Number five, it should be in that book, go and have a look at that <laughs> folder. And you look at, you know, programming today, you know, it's a jukebox and everything's set I know, it's for all you. computerised. Yeah. I remember getting the little but mini disc and the, the dats and the CDs. I was a programmer and... at eight or ten. I would go and collect dads, all dads, you know... Um, CDs that he needed cassettes. for his schedule, all his cassettes. Yeah. Right? It was a, yeah, cassettes and then CDs and whatever else. But look, it brought back so many memories and, and I hope that it, it did for you too. Um, look, I'm, I'm conscious of time and I want to get to you, Brother Luke. Like, what is the role of First Nations media today and how can we take what we've learnt here and apply that to ensure that that legacy or that, that, that essence and that spirit, I keep going back to that spirit because that's what it is, right? It's the spirit. It's the essence um, of uh, community media, but for representing First Nations mob. Tell me more about what, what our role is, why it's important and how we can learn from that, please. I think going right back to that that start, we were saying, you know, what 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 is radical? And it's like t telling the truth in a country built on lies is is radical. That's that's that core of it. But you know, when we, we were young and just when it finished up, and it's like, what spun me out is how much hasn't changed. You know, and like Indigenous X started in in 2010. We're on Twitter. We got all the mobile phones and all the. We're still bloody talking about Invasion Day. We're still talking deaths in custody. We're still having to talk about identity and half-caste and, you know, because during those first few years, like Andrew Bolt, you know, doing all his stuff with 18C, it was, you know, the Change the Date campaign. But I think it's that when we're talking Indigenous media, one, because like I said, I didn't come from media, didn't come from that, you know, like I, I grew up on a farm, Dad was a pub fight, <laughs> you know, we had mob around, but like we didn't have this, like this, a lot of this stuff. So when I come into media, realising I was standing on the shoulders of giants, we're like, oh, what, you're doing so amazing, it's so new. So no, I'm saying the same thing, saying the same things, like nothing was new. So I had to learn real quick where, where I was in that chain. So remember where we come from, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, speak that truth, but understand as well, we, we do it from mob. Like when, when white fellas hijack that truth and at the moment, you know, like a lot of black stuff is like real cool at the moment, but like as a white accessory, not, not as us for us 
on our own terms. And so remember, we do it for us, for each other, not for the audience, not for that audience. And I want to make that clear. What you've just said is not divisive. Right? Mm. It's Indigenous people. It's self-determination in action. Mm. It's Indigenous people being in control of their own affairs, just as our African brothers and sisters, our European brothers and sisters. We, as First Mm. Nations people, it is disrespectful to speak on behalf of another. Our Polynesian Mm. brothers and sisters, we don't speak on behalf of those other people's affairs. Could could I speak to that for one one second? Because that's at the moment we're seeing, and I know we're not going to talk about the thing, but just one, (laughs) one, one thing I do want to say about the thing, though, is at the moment everyone like, Oh, you, your side's being divisive. This side's being divisive. And this idea that what we're fighting for is this... They're talking reconciliation. And it's like reconciliation is different from Indigenous rights and self-determination. You know what I mean? Like all getting along together, that's lovely. And that's not a, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But, you know, in every white fella having a black friend ain't going to do the thing. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're fighting for. So that, that self-determination, that's the game. And that divisiveness, that's a different thing. That's a different conversation. We're talking about justice, not charity. You know, we're talking about land rights, not reconciliation. (laughs) And that's what unites unites a lot of us um, mob who have come from families or or countries where there is social justice, human, human rights issues and all those things. And that's where we, as human beings, need to bring that humanness back. So it does not matter about your colour. What matters is about your spirit and your intention. Do you have that respect? Respect for country, respect for each other, respect for yourself. And bringing those uh, values of humanness, and it's not a black or a white value, it's that respect, right? And my great granny's always said, you don't need to be an indigenous person, or to be, to be born here, you don't have to be an indigenous person. This country chose you to be born here, and you can love and respect this place equally as we as First Nations peoples. We all have to look after this country. So what you've said there, brother, is not about that division. It's about saying, you mob speak for your issues and yours and let us speak for ours because we live with these problems. We know a little bit about the solutions, we think, you know. So that's what self-determination is about us asserting our, um, you know, our, our wishes and our desires. But we're not going to go too far because we're getting a bit too political. So let's, let's pull back a bit, eh? Jeez. Do you just want to ask a question? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you want us to go deeper? All righty then. I am Tiger's daughter. How far do you want me to go? No, 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 no. Listen, um, if I could just... Uh if I could just hand over back to you there, Brother Luke, with Indigenous X, like you've done a lot of uh, challenging the status quo in that. What role do you see in, in, like I said, in First Nations peoples challenging that status quo to be able to make that change? And how do we get our young people? Because media is not something... Aliyah, I want to I wanna really point you out, Sister Gill, because you and Claire, Deadly Women of Colour, are part of the Radio Skid Row family and many, many more of you too, you know, are part of the family here. It's really important that we look at our young people and we get you involved and we give you a platform to be able to speak for the issues of our younger people today because it's different to what we've experienced. Um, I'm not so much older, but also I'm, I, I think my, my son might be about your age, eh? But, um, you know, <laughs> I can, I'm the baby of this generation. Um, so, yes, if I could just hand over to you and just really talking about our youth because social yeah, media Yeah, I'll, I'll just be, be quick on this one. I don't, I don't want to take up 
um, too much that I have other things to say too. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I, I talk about this a bit when we're talking, like I said, I used to be a primary teacher, so you're working with kids and, and thinking about that is, is a big part of what I do. But that um, you look at any Indigenous youth leadership space that'll be like funded by corporates, funded by government, you know, like, and that's where, where I was saying that. It's like back in the day, like if you were young, black, ambitious, you had nothing to do but work with mob because no one else wanted us back then. Yeah. Yeah, even when Indigenous X started, media didn't want us then, like mm. mainstream media. So everyone come to Indigenous X because online, that, that was it. Mm. Yeah. But now it's like all these fellas, like, yeah, we've got an Indigenous youth parliament, but no Indigenous bloody parliament to graduate to. Mm. You go to Indigenous youth leadership, and it's like funded by, and it's every bank, mining company, government department. Mm. Like we need to be doing our own thing so that if you're a young Indigenous you know, leader, is not even the right bloody term no. to be talking about our youth that way yeah. but who's bringing them together to hear from you mob who's bringing them together to hear from activists because they're not going to fund that we've got to do that ourselves for not ourselves too deadly too deadly look last question before i throw over to you mob and i i promise this will be the last question um Yarika, you worked at four triple a also known as 98 9 fm brisbane's indigenous media association anyone know about them mob yeah they deadly mob eh? um so tell us Yarika. um how does that compare? <laughs> what's what's Beamer's journey and, 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 and what's that like compared to, say, you know, Radio Redfern, Skid Row, et cetera? Well, it's like the, the stepping stones. We can see where it originated karma and we have to acknowledge that because Granny Mook, you know, came back and was, like, so inspired and motivated that, you know, there was Blackfella radio station in the central of Australia. So that was like the blueprint, the template of a successful Aboriginal radio station. We were able to, I say we, the collective, um, able to replicate that with, you know, the expertise of Arnie Nicola and this um, real holistic collaborative approach. So growing up in the different studios, where was the little studio in the university here somewhere, eh? Yeah, I thought it all looked familiar. See, I've been away too long. <laughs> um, but always come home, always feel this strong pull. And then I think my first... What did I say? If you don't listen to... If you don't listen to Skid Row, I won't be your friend. <laughs> so we grew up on radio, you know. Jericho's <laughs> promotion. We should that do one then and now. As soon as I could talk, get it back I was on air. And that passion and the legacy has been inherited and passed down from Granny Mook, from our grandparents' generation to our parents' generation. Now, us, and if anyone knows my son, Quaden, is real pop, loves a yarn, so he'll be the next one on air. You know, my three children, um, my grandchildren, we can see we're just natural storytellers. And as the first storytellers in the world, it's just, it's like it's, you know, it's just in our DNA to see, you know, karma, then um, Radio Redfern, then Murray Radio, where I actually started my media career professionally because the brother that was supposed to be on air suicided. And, yeah, Dad said, oh, you're going to have to come in. He knew that I had... It was the rock, pop and reggae show on a Friday night. Dennis didn't show up, and we got the call that, um, unfortunately, he jumped off the bridge there. So Dad said, bring all your... Um, see, we were playing CDs and cassettes at that time in the early 90s. I thought I was just going to help Dad because I had all the good music to play for the rock, pop and reggae show. Little did I know Broncos was playing that night, Friday night footy. So Dad wasn't about to, and if anyone knows our family, we go for the Broncos and the Bunnies. Um, he just said, all right, you press this one, you phase that up to talk, press this one, CD one, CD two, your dads are here, your cassettes are there. Mike on, Mike off, showed me the basics. We grew up in the studio, we're pretty comfortable with it anyway, and a lot of people, um, you know... 
comfortable with sitting around and having a yarn and it was almost like that's all I was doing but just with the mic on and no one looking so I was really comfortable um, on air and then to see it grow into you know a state-of-the-art multi-million dollar media facility that is so inclusive to see from very humble beginnings on where that started from it's just mind-blowing to know that so many people say they got their start at whether it's, you know, Karma or Radio Redfern or Murray Radio, and now they're big-time journalists or doing really well in the media industry, and it makes us remember who we are and where we come from and from the humble grassroots beginnings where it was, you know, born and it's just continuing to bloom. So I'm blessed to, you know, pick up where our old people have left off and still have deadly old people to tell the yarns of a lot of the stories that we might not um, have been around for in our grandparents' generation. So, yeah, there's, it, it's just... It strengthens, you know, mentally, physically and spiritually to see and hear that and to remind us um, of the collective. And that includes everyone here today, the, the energy and... You know, it's just deadly to see it's still going from strength to strength. Two deadlies. Your nanny? Yeah. I just want to say, um, when Erica was speaking about um, inclusive um, radio, community radio and media, the media is a big, big entity with a lot of platforms. Um, I work in... Uh, this part of the media, uh, that's sports media, um, NRL, AFL, and uh, Title V boxing. I do all that. And that's a really exclusive area because um, there's not too many people like me still doing it. I, I've got a lot of health, bad chronic health problems, so I don't do too much of that anymore. Um, but uh, it, it was a real eye-opener, you know, getting into those big uh, parts of the media where, which are dominated by white men. <laughs> and I remember walking on field um, at one of the big stadiums and thinking, wow, uh, I'm in here with all these big shooters, um, white men who've... Uh, who are world-renowned, uh, they've shot Olympics, uh, uh, World Cups. Um, so they all welcomed me, and uh, once they knew my work, um, it was OK. Uh, it was great. So um, it gets a bit lonely there sometimes, but uh, it's a great uh, medium to work in. Too deadly, and your to, pictures uh, are beautiful. Put our stories out there. Mm. That is, yeah, we've got some great uh, sportsmen and women. And Annie, I must say, you do do a, a deadly job in capturing that mm. spirit of the, the the image that you're trying to. I try you to. Know, you do, and you do it well. Sure do. I've actually employed Annie for some of the stuff for my own corporate work, and Annie's captured some of the the dances and the magic behind it. I don't think you know. Uh, no one else. No one else could capture it, right? It's that spirit, and it's you got a real mm. a deadly way of you've you know. Have it to feel yes. It and, yeah. So thank you. And if anyone hasn't seen Annie Barbara's work, um, how can they get a hold of you and 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 or see your work or buy any of your images? It's there's a lot of stuff online. Yep, OK. I don't have my own website, but um, there is a, a learning resource... Beautiful. ..put out by the ACP and uh, NITV. Yep. ..that's online, and it's used in 
uh, universities and high schools. Too deadly. So, too can deadly. I just say, it's really important for us to honour our people while they're still alive, you know? Like, the fact that we've got, you know, these absolute... Um, no word to... Whatever the highest word in our language would be for, you know, people that are sitting here today, like... Honour honor our people while they're still alive. It's too late once they're gone and buried. And to be able to sit amongst greatness today is, you know, an absolute blessing. Thank you, Yumob. I really, really want to hand over now to Yumob because this is the reason why we're here. We want to hear from you. We've given you a lot of information to digest, to spark some ideas, give you some insights. But now we want to hear from you. Are there any questions to our panels or do you have anything to say um, about radical media, about community radio and about, you know, where we're going into the future and how we can keep that spirit? Um. I'll be your MC and your over today. Uh, a big thanks um, to everyone and thanks to the panellists and Skid Row for organising this. Uh, I'm of the generation that was hanging around uh, during a lot of the film and had the honour and privilege to meet and work with a lot of the people in there. <coughs> Wasn't it wonderful to watch that there were no mobile phones or people yeah. taking selfies or... It was a big brick-looking thing, though, <laughs> Yeah, and, and for me, that... the. the People were there, mm, people present. were physically mm. present yeah. in that space, in sure. that place, on that country mm. at that time. <clears throat> and I suppose I just wanted to sort of open up to the panel and to the group about this, this changing sense of community mm. that we live in, that we, we, I proudly still identify as a member of the activist community and I wonder how many people now uh, and we talked about younger people and how younger people are coming through, how they identify within that activist space mm. with all the different media platforms that have been referenced to, you know? So I'm, I'm old school in that taking it to the streets, bringing people together in the, in the physical real, but, of course, with the great work, Indigenous X and others, even the radio, you know? And for me, one of the, the beautiful, beautiful things of radio is the simplicity of the human voice, yeah. you know? And it's not, it's not laid and it's not distracted with image or anything, but it's, the, it's hearing the voices mm. and the amplifying of those voices through community media. So, yeah, so just curious about uh, this idea of, of community and how we're seeing the changing sense of community. It's time for us to bring that old school back, eh? Like, yeah, yeah that's what I am. Uh, that's a, a big question. <laughs> Um, I don't really know how to, to answer it, but um, Luke might be able to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's... No, because yeah. Because I think, I think what um, Tony's saying here... We have Sorry, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I, think what I think you should try and answer it, Luke, because I think that this is our, our struggle today, is that um, it definitely came up when we were at... I should tell people that um, National Film and Sound Archive found the recordings of Radio Red from, from tw January 26. And so there's actually, you know, it's not great quality, but it's quite good. But they've um, inducted them to the Sound, Sound of Australia archive and they got us down there, Graham and I went down. And, you know, one of the things that Chris Kirkbright said, because he was there, was none of this was... It was kind of planned... 
we were really organised. We were like an army. Mm. Like there was, it looked like chaos in that studio, but actually it was, I mean, All should have given, chaos. you should, no, it should have given you a way that the, the tapes were numbered mm. and there was a catalogue. Like yeah, that should have given you, and there was a mobile phone. It was the size of a car battery. <laughs> and, and Tiger was the only one that could carry it. So that's why he was calling in, you know. But um, like one of the things that Chris Kirkbright said at that, that night at the NFSA was it was organic. The kind of sense of community grew out of people being in the same room and talking mm. about it. Mm. And I don't know how you create that in, in the world today when really the only ways that a lot of us are together is online. Mm. Like we're meeting one another for the first yeah. time today, yeah. but we've talked yeah. heaps. I think pe people are people and are always people and I'm, I'm mindful yeah, like I said, like I, I now talk about like, um, you know, Twitter when it was starting, like it was the, the way that Bob were talking about radio. Then, well, back when I was doing social media on my mobile phone, living in the future, um, you know, we had to do it all in writing. We didn't have the videos and the like. So there's a part of me that's very mindful of, you know, young ones are going to be all right. I think I think we over worry about some of that. But at the same time, you know, if I can borrow a bit from George Carlin, and this, he, he was saying this decades ago too, where he's like, you know, in Australia we've got like bloody two supermarket chains, but, you know, 300 different types of soda to choose from the fridge, so we're flooded with a false sense of choice. There's too many things, and on social media you've got all these apps, all these videos, but, like, what are the real things? What's real and what's important, and how do we let kids know what the real bloody evils of the world are to, to organise against? Um, but then, like... I, I, I think we over worry at times. I think like the young ones, young ones are going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like I. Critical thinking and being able to sort of unpack in this multiple layering, as you say, of choices to be able to make those decisions of you know truth in this. Post-truth post world, you know. I, I, look, I, I'm inspired by the young people that I meet, and have really confident in it. And I suppose it's more to round this, this, the, 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 the mobilisation and the activation for the change, because we hear, and it's the same thing that you know, it's the same struggle from yeah. 30 years ago. Can I say, my dad said the same thing. My dad said the same thing. He says, you know, and this was recent in one of the land rights um, interviews. He says, it's sad. He's disappointed that over 30, 40 years have changed, uh, passed, but nothing had changed. So, you know, it, it goes back to that, what is community? And, you know, I might even hand over to you, Uncle Graham, and, and, and talk about it, but very quickly from me, it's we've all got to get out of our comfort zone and talk to each other. You know, going back to Indigenous, and I go back to what I know, and I'm sorry I can't speak from other worldviews because I have not been raised from other worldviews. I can only speak from my Indigenous uh, grandmother, my father, my mother. And so when I speak, it is from that, you know, we relate to each other. We, hey, how you going? In, in a Western world, it's, uh, you know, care for the neighbour, you know, or, or love thy neighbour. But with us, it's just sharing and caring. It's, hey, you're right, you need bread and milk, you got money for food, you got nappies for your babies, and it's caring about each other. To me, that's what community is. So it's about us rebuilding post-COVID and all this other divisive stuff that has happened over the last century or more. It's about us just going, 
let's meet for the first time. Let's say hello. Let's keep in contact. Let's go for coffee. Let's be interested, be curious about each other and befriend each other. Let's care about each other. And I think that's what, for me as an Indigenous woman, those are my utmost core values. You will always get something, you know, sharing and caring and I'll look after you and vice versa. And through that, we build our communities. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they all have to be like me to be in my community. It means everybody within my area or whom I say hello to, I'm building my community. And then we can mobilise, we can plan and we can change. So for me, it's really just getting out there and going against your norm, um, getting out there and saying, well, Indigenous is Indigenous, non-Indigenous is non-Indigenous. Nah, we all, we all together now. We've got we to gotta yarn together and, and mobilise together. No more divide and conquer. No. Uh, over to you, sister, if there's any other questions. Uncle Graham, what's, what's community for you if you wanted to jump in there? Um, yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, when you were asking that question before, like, think globally, act locally. That's what we were doing. And, um, and that's... Well, I mean, we lived and breathed that. And, um, and like, later on, like, with the... How could I put it? Um, the Aboriginal... I, I don't know if you can call it activism... I, I like the idea of radical radio myself, like, which is what we did discuss that very deeply, actually, activism and being radical, which to us was finding the truth. And we live and breathe that. And we, we do that 24-7. And these discussions are all the time that we have. Back then, um, yeah, OK, sometimes we did it over a, a telephone, which was wide in them days. Um, and then... But really, we did that. Um, we met like this, and had, and everyone could have a. Would talk about. Everyone had a perspective, and actually, that's what we're developed up or developing up, in our community is a, an Aboriginal perspective or the Black perspective, and that's what we talked about, a lot, and um, and um, and we would reflect on what each other says, and that was building up. And as you saw there in 1988, that's what happened there. And all those perspectives. And that's only a small, um, um, how can I put it? The, uh, a small survey, des I guess, of what was happening, because there's a lot of perspectives there. And, um, and brought together, that's our movement that was happening. So, so that's our community. Some people would say, um, what's it? Um, um, family community, society, nations. And, um, and when you talk about United Nations laws, you're talking about um, nations and peoples. So that's our community and that's the collective consciousness and all this stuff comes in. We talk about sovereignty, which is the power in ourselves, and there's a collective consciousness in that that develops. And we did that naturally. Yeah. We still do it. Sorry. <laughs> Can I just say one thing? Uh, when I first started in, in media, um, my aim was to put our stories in writing and images out there uh, to, uh, as a counter to all the negativity about us, our stories. Um, and that's what I set out to do and uh, um, hopefully I've done that and will continue to do that. 
because I think we're deadly. We <laughs> so are. we've been around a long time. <laughs> we've got um, a well, great history. So. Right, Brother Luke, we're, I'm very conscious of time and I know I don't want to keep you all past. Um, we do have to eat the cake. We do. We have to sing happy birthday. So look, um, Annie Mari and, and then we'll go to Brother Luke. Him first. No, no, you go, you go, you go, you go right Older. Yeah. 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 Um, why, why Aboriginal communications were set up in the Northern Territory at the time that ATSEC came up there and said, you know, there was something to do with Aboriginal communication. So we go there. We were involved with Western Australia, the people from the Kimberleys, Puggy Hunter, Kuman Jane, full respect. Mm. John Pat, Kuman Jane, full respect. They were coming to us in the Northern Territory and we were getting a thrashing. So we got tired of it, I thought, up there, about everybody, every time you see something in the newspaper, it's negative. Mm. And all us blackfellas were doing was answering back their negativity. Mm. Pardon us, but we got something to say here. So that's when we went out and we got tired of people putting negative negative racist slurs like John Howard out there on the media. Yeah. We have Aboriginal men and women, and this is a black man's country. We've watched our grandpas, our grannies, and everybody died. There was no food. Have you seen massacre sites? Have you? Me? No, because I have, and you know what? They're real. Yeah. They are real. You got 200 nations went down in, in, in Lake Victoria in South Australia. That Lake Victoria is the Barkindy homeland, so we knew about all that. Do you know how they found it? The pump went down at Lake Victoria that waters Adelaide. 200 nations lying dead under the water. You know where they came from? Sections, different sections of our law, Blackfellow law, which is still apl applicable in this country, we're alive. They came from the Snowy Mountains. They came from Cape York. They came from all around Australia for that one part of that section of our law. The white man poisoned the water holes, battery acids, speed, everything, what they had in that country. That was in the Barkindy homelands, Lake Mungo's people. I'm one of them. Right, so we're up there fighting, and it's, you can sit around communications, start talking to each other and start respecting each other, because to keep our race alive, 300,000 of us left. We coppered in the Northern Territory. Catherine, you got the Ku Klux Klan up there. Well. You know, and this is a community. We're communities that are surviving under duress. We have racists. They have their, what do you call them things up in the air? Satellites. The drones. Satellites. And those, them things there, they fly them over our communities. Mm. Like shooting our kids, getting the fathers to fly our kids. It's still happening today, so it's got to stop. Mm. Death in custody. My son was chained to the protected cell floor. He had no charges, and the cop that arrested him wasn't a cop. He was fired from the police force in 98. Took effect in 99, but he was still acting as a detective at the Broken Hill Police Station. So that's what us Aboriginal women are up against. Right, women? Right, and for Linda, pardon me, I just got to address these two. Linda and 
Jacinta, she's Walpri, so am I. Jacinta and, 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 and um, Linda, um, I love the two of them. I think they're really staunch Aboriginal women getting up there and getting us on the front page like Mick Miller, Kuman Joe McMiller used to say. We'd worry if we weren't on the front page. But anyway, they held us there, right? We're there, we're there, we're present. They gotta face us now. Like the other one down there in Victoria. You know, well those women need to realise that they are Aboriginal women. And us Aboriginal women are staunch. We took the brunt of this invasion. They ripped our babies from our bellies and ate them. Go and have a look at James Cook's history. Yeah. So Let's there's, there's, this, this is where communications is vital. Of course, and the part so of the it's got to be said. Well, I get that. And every time they have a go, do you refer back to what they wrote about? They did, what they done to us. Yeah. And, and the other, the other, the other documentary that you need to see before the vote and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Remember, you're on Aboriginal land. Aboriginal law is still in play. Mm. We're here. Does it and you? and. Aboriginal people aren't going to surrender to two white fellas there that got two Aboriginal women running around after them. All they right. need to be pulled in line, them two girls. All right, Annie. We're going to get over. We've got one, one deadly question. I'm not going to get too far into that because, you know, can get us in trouble here. Aaliyah, sister, do you got a question? Um, not the truth. I wanted Aaliyah to actually speak because she's in our current broadcasters and wanted to hear Okay. Okay. So for people who don't know me, my name is Aaliyah Jade Bradbury. Um, just quickly, I'm Larakia Yaru, uh, family ties to Arnhem Land, um, specifically Yirakala, and Miriamir people, so my mother's challenges as well. Nyamiriyapa. Oh, oh my God, family, okay. Um, <laughs> but I actually grew up around Redfern, um, specifically around the early 2000s with sort of you people all being the, I guess, you know, my giants, my titans, and hearing everything that you've been through and sort of listening to what everyone's saying in terms of conversation is that regardless of we're still having those sort of same issues, the same sort of stories, nothing is changed but that spirit of connection and that spirit of family within community is still present mm. and it's still powerful today. But I think where, um, sorry, this gentleman here, um, I guess his concerns with younger people, and, it, and it's my concerns too because growing up in a very staunch community, Redfern, our biggest power was our ability to be present with one another and creating this idea of third spaces. So mm. for people who don't know what third spaces are, it's... You know, you usually have your first space, which is your inner home, your second space, which is your workspace. But the third spaces are the places like this where we're gathered here, we're generating conversation, we're, um, you know, having a little bit of leisure because for blackfellas, joy is political. You know, we're allowed to be happy. <laughs> um, and we do our best stuff when we're just, you know, enjoying our spaces and having those yarns and all that kind of stuff. But... That is my biggest concern for my generation, the generation after us, is because 
Sydney doesn't have third spaces in general. And young people, we can't gather and have these conversations or be present because there's power in going to a space and recognizing faces. And maybe you're sharing a drink and then suddenly you're sharing idea and then all of a sudden you're so, you know, you're worked up and you're inspired to do something bigger than yourself because you can see the community that you have all of a sudden been immersed into. Yeah. And those communities last lifetimes because that's a very ancient and very spiritual thing that, you know, is innate in all of us. So that's my kind of thing talking to all of that's you. That's deadly. Thank you. Yeah. Get too deadly, sis. And I just want to also, I want to, I want to say a big thank you to not just you mob that are in the room, but as a society, with between the, the, the situation for Indigenous and non-Indigenous, it was further apart than what it is today. And I really want to acknowledge those giants and those titans and those deadly elders and leaders that we've had because without them uh, advocating for us and, and, and being radical in their approach in a time where they needed to so that we could get the equality, get the opportunities that we have today, it is because of that radical movement or, or those, those radical, um, you know, approaches that we now have the freedoms, the equality and a platform to assert ourselves as First Nations peoples uh, and not feel like, no, we can't talk, we've got to bow down to, to, to the authority, to the, to the majority. Uh, and so I want to thank you all for allowing us as First Nations peoples to share our truths to, and for you to be comfortable with the uncomfortable so that we can heal and walk together as, as one mob that live and call this place home. So it's people like yourselves and the broader non-Indigenous community. You know, we're walking in solidarity and we need to work together because when we're working in isolation trying to achieve the outcome, it's going to take us much more, much more time. So it is time to come together, to work together in collaboration with innovation and all those other great words so that we can make the change now and not wait another 30, 40 years for that change to occur or uh, for the next generation to make that change. We, what does that, I, I wanna leave you with these last words and if anyone has any questions, I'm sorry, um, but time's gotten away. We can sit around and yarn afterwards if you have time, I know I don't. But Derica, I wanna leave you, <laughs> I wanna leave you with the words of my grandmother, but also when we left Redfern, I was six or seven years of age when we left the block and we went to North Queensland or Queensland and we learnt culture. We found out that being Aboriginal was more than the flag and more than the block and more than the immediate family because that's, that, that's all we knew. We never went over to West, uh, over the bridge, the Harbour Bridge. That was, oh, no, 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 no man's land. You stay in the block. You stay Redfern, Waterloo. And when we went to Queensland, we learnt our very first Aboriginal song and dance. We learnt our identity. And then we come back to Redfern. I've come back to the block 20 years ago. And all I've been doing is being that bridge between those two worlds. It's about communication, but it's also about people. It's about uniting. It's about our children. It's about speaking up. But um, it's about sharing and caring. That's what this song is about. It's called Garing in the Nami. And Garing in the Nami, you know, when uh, all these people that we were talking about before would come to our homes and mum and dad were so proud of us learning culture. Come on, you girls, come out here and sing that song and do that song and dance for these mob. Do quabri. So, you know, I want to share with you that strength that we found when we first learned our culture in terms of our song and our dance. Because for me, that's, that's a part of expressing 
that our culture is alive, that we have survived. So first is the quote from my grandmother, and then second is the dance that we first learnt when we left Redfern. Oh, Granny Mook's quote. Yes, please. Through your actions today, will you be an honourable ancestor to the children of the future? Can we just hear that one more time? Are you mob, you listening? You binangari? No, German. It's a quote that our dad always used to repeat too. When dad used to do his um, Let's Talk radio show, he'd always leave with the quote. And this quote reminds us that we're all legacy holders. So what legacy will we leave for future generations? And that's why we're all here, you know, to fight for the greater good of humanity. And if we do the work now and make the sacrifices, then our children and future generations will inherit a much more healthy, safe and inclusive world. And that's why Granny Mook's, um, you know, quote has gone around the world. People reference it and she always reminds us, through your actions today, will you be an honourable ancestor to the children of the future? Gives me goosebumps every time because I can feel it. Can I get you all to give everybody a big round of applause for being here today and yourselves. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for coming.